0: Real quick, I just want to introduce you to somebody, because two and a half years, well, two years ago, they, they did something called the All In Challenge. And it was something where people donated a certain amount of money to, to get a chance to, to somehow like win a lottery and, and get a chance to come to this show and, and be part of the show and, and help me with set lists and, and meet everybody and, and, you know, get a nice guitar. It was nice little things, but, but thanks to you, you know, all total, it was for COVID relief. And this was back when we didn't know how bad it was going to get. And so we needed it more than ever. They ended up raising $60 million.
1: And,
0: and thanks to our listeners, um, we were in the top five of the things that they auctioned off. And um, because of all, all you folks writing in, um, just our portion alone was $1, $1 million. So we're very grateful to everyone out there. And, and I just want to introduce you Richard. Uh, it's it's R- Richard. Richie, let's call him Richie. Richie Berg and his son, Dermot. I got to meet them today. They uh, got to be choos- chosen. And now I got a couple new friends. So they're both East Coasters. That's Dermot right there. This is seventh show. This is Richie's tenth. And uh, I'm so glad to know you fellas. Thanks very much. Woo. Take your mask off for just a second. Let them see you. See, they good faces. Come on, Dermot. Don't be shy, get a date. All right. Well, we hope you like this next song because it was their choice. All right. You can call me L, you can call me Ed, you just just fucking call me, why don't you?
2: Hey, everybody. Now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And as we kind of bask in the post-tour here, we still have a lot of stories to tell. And thankfully, we get to tell a really, really good one today. If you remember, in Camden, New Jersey, on September 14th, we had a father and son duo, Dermot and Rich Berg, that got to go on stage, and they were the winners of the All In Challenge, which they had donated to and got this experience of getting to meet the band and getting to go backstage, which they're about to talk about in just a second. So we're going to tell that story. It's Randy Sobel over here. It's John Farrar over there. Let's get right into it. Father and son combo here. And it's 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 funny because Dermot, you told us that you were 22, which is younger than the average Pearl Jam fan, of course. And Rich, I'm sure you're well within the range of the average Pearl Jam fan. So what I what I want to know from uh, from you guys is that like how did the enjoyment of the band like get brought down to you, Dermot? And, you know, when was the first time that you really started picking up on some of your dad's music?
3: um so honestly i would say ever since i was a kid my dad was kind of always playing music around um a lot of it alternative music uh, especially from you know 90s and 2000s but it really started uh i started playing this game uh guitar hero three <laughs> i was about seven years old and it had all these different just great classic rock songs on it and i believe uh, even flow actually is in that game Sounds right um and playing that game actually inspired me to pick up the guitar for real. So um, when I was around eight years old, um, I picked up guitar. Just as I started playing, I just fell in love with more and more rock music. And I think around that time, my dad also had the uh, Sirius XM Pearl Jam radio playing in the car all the time. So honestly, at first I wasn't super into Pearl Jam. I just was always listening to them because I was in the car with my dad. But then around middle school, I would say, I started getting into Nirvana and Alice in Change and Pearl Jam and all those grunge groups. And obviously, my dad loves the music so much, so it kind of became a thing for us to go see the Pearl Jam shows. And um, it's something I really enjoy doing with my dad. Yeah, so that's pretty much kind of the story of how that happened.
2: Uh, How many shows have you guys been to together?
3: Uh, I've been to eight shows, all of which were with my dad, so eight together. Yeah,
2: wow, that's fantastic. So, Rich, when did you start? When was your like, you know, finding the band? I'm sure 1992, probably around then.
4: Yeah, yeah, it was really kind of
2: in the beginning,
4: but but I didn't go see the band until 2013. So I was a really late bloomer as far as going to see the band play live. But of course, I you know I I love their music from from the beginning.
5: Talk a little bit about, you know, Dermot kind of mentioned, you know, you had it kind of playing when he was a kid. Was that a conscious thing on your part? Were you trying to, like, impart some of that onto him as, at a young age?
4: That's a great question. I No, I don't think I did it on purpose. It was just that was the music I listened to, and I always had music playing. Like Dermot said, when we were in the car or just doing work around the house, uh, I would have it playing. So I don't think it was conscious. I don't think. Maybe it was. I, I don't know. <laughs>
5: Well, it, it worked out.
4: <laughs> yeah, it definitely worked out. Good par- I call it good parenting now.
2: <laughs> right, right, of course. So you brought him to eight different shows. When was, when was the first one? Was the first one that you went to the first one that he went to? Because we're thinking 2013 here, you must have been like 12, 13 years old. Am I correct about that?
3: Yep, I think I was. Uh, I think I just turned 13.
2: Okay. Yeah. So um, what was the first one?
3: It was the, I think it was the second Philly show in 2013. Okay. Um, on Lightning Bolt Tour, yeah. And uh, the funny thing is, around then, I wasn't super into Pearl Jam. Like, I kind of just came. And, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't until around 2016, I think, that I really, you know, got some way more. Um, we saw them again in Philly in 2016 for the first show. And it was just unbelievable. So that was where it really took off for me, at least.
2: What about seeing them live, like, spoke to you? Definitely the just the
3: energy and almost a sort of like mini community that's created whenever you go to the show with all the mm-hmm. other fans who are sure. also just so into the music. So the whole just energy of the fans interacting with the band and the music was probably the biggest thing that I thought was great about seeing them live.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely a unique thing within this community because it's 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 not like sports where, you know, you can always find fans of your team wherever you go you know unless you really right. live outside of the 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 place that your your team plays but you know you don't just go in your neighborhood and find pearl jam fans you don't just you know go into stores and with and see people with pearl jam shirts it's very rare to do that so the only time that you really are able to is is at a show and then when you get there you kind of you do see everybody all surrounded and, and you can say one thing and how many conversations have we all gotten to where, you know, somebody is talking about a, a show or a song and you feel like you can chime in and bring something to the conversation. It's, it's just a very cool thing and, and everybody wants to be a part of that conversation and bring you along. Like that's such a cool facet about this community that everybody's kind of, you know, all knit together like that.
4: Yeah, I, I've had it where I, I traveled a lot for work and I've been in places I remember one time I was in Australia and I was going through customs and there's a, a a guy with a you know a, a guard and he saw my Pearl Jam shirt and he and I started talking we talked for like a half hour. He was telling me when he saw Pearl Jam down there and it was just it's it's awesome when you bump into someone outside of the concert experience as well. There's that that connection right away. It's it's really it's really unique and it's really that's what's really awesome about the band.
5: Absolutely, yeah. Let's get into this contest. That's why you guys are here. So I remember this was kind of a uh, kind of let out. You know, before the tour started, that there was going to be this all-in challenge, and there was a video that the Ed did. I remember probably like, on his porch or something, and he's talking about, "Oh yeah, you know, you're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna get to like come backstage and hang out, and like we'll make sure we get you, you know, a, a tambourine and a pick and all this, and like we, we might even let you sit in and and hang out and do help out with the set list a little bit." So of course that like piqued everyone's interest, and you know what was it about this contest that piqued your interest that made you want to want to sign up for it?
4: Well, it was that whole experience, right? I mean, it was it sure. was kind of an unbelievable contest, you know, and um, it was definitely the set list because the set lists are so legendary and so talked about. And it's almost so sacred, the set list. And it was really kind of a cool thing. And, and I just did probably what everyone else did. Right. I'm like, hey, you know what? It was Donating to a, a good thing, you know, COVID had just hit. No one knew it was going to happen. You know, restaurants were struggling. People were, who knows where they're going to find food at the time. This is what was going through my head. And I said, gosh, if I could just, you know, donate and enter the contest, it's kind of a no-brainer. And, and you know, and that's what I did. And, and and it obviously worked out, you know, tremendously.
2: <laughs> so I, I think I actually remember the moment that I had read that you guys won. I don't remember what day it was or anything like that, but it was shortly after I think the tour was announced, and I can't quite remember what the publication was, but I do remember somebody bringing it up to me and saying, oh, they're going to do it in Camden. I'm like, well, that's great. I'll be in Camden, so I'll, I'll get to see this. How did you guys find out from either the band or the team that you guys would be doing this that you guys won? so so yeah great question
4: so there there's the all-in challenge it was run by a prize company it's kind of really interesting so there was a company that managed all of these contests for these different artists and 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 folks who had these the all-in challenge and so i got a call from from woodbridge new jersey i live in central new jersey and i get a call and i'm like i don't know anyone from Woodbridge, New Jersey anymore. Or ironically, I lived there twenty some years ago, thirty years ago. And I didn't pick it up. It rang again and I didn't pick it up. It was like on my cell phone. So finally I get an email and it's like, hey, if we're trying to get a hold of you. You know, please call us back. If you don't call us back within a couple of days, we're gonna move on to the next the next name <laughs> kind of thing. So <laughs> um I ended up calling this prize company and they're located in in Woodbridge. And I spoke to this woman, her name is Kathy, and you know, she told me that I, I won. And I was like, that's unbelievable. Like, I can't believe it. And then, you know, of course, you've got to go through a bunch of paperwork and, and whatnot and to, to, to do it. But over, you know, and that was really, I think that was, I'm going to say, in May or June of 2020. And so then we just had to wait for things to open up and, you know, and, and so for two years, I was every now and then I would check in with this woman, Kathy at the price place. And we kind of de- developed like a little bit of a, a phone, you know, relationship. Cause I, you know, I told her I was going to take Dermot and, you know, and, and kind of our story a little bit. And, uh, you know, so she liked it and she, she was great through the whole process, but she was the one that I interacted with up until we were at the show. Um, so it was all through her and and the updates and what shows to pick and 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 and, and everything was all through her. until two, we we uh, we got to the show and we met. Uh, we well, she gave me the text a phone number of this gentleman Pete, who's a tour manager. And that's when we met Pete. And that's when we really started interacting with really Pearl Jam, the the entity, if you will. You know, with the the, the group and 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 their organization.
2: So let me just get this straight. You guys knew that you won in the summer of 2020 in the summer where COVID's So like this is all going on and and June, July, around that time, we're still in the thick of it. We're not going anywhere. It's summer where, you know, it was a pretty miserable summer for a lot of people. So you get this news and I'm sure you guys are feeling it just like everybody else. And now, like you're, you're a static, but you have no idea when this timeline is going to be. How hard was it to wait for that? And on, I guess on the flip side, was it something that you had for the, for that period of time that you were able to look forward to that you woke up every day and you're like, all right, one more day closer, you know?
4: Yeah, it was, uh, I, we, we never knew what, how many days were left. Right, so that's what was so. It, it was interesting because yeah, I looked forward to it. I used to play the video over and over again. And I would joke with my wife, and I would say, "Hey, look, Eddie's talking to me. He's talking to me right now." So I would do goofy stuff like that, and <laughs> and, um, and it was just we we're, but there was nothing we could do. We just had to wait, and and you know, and and who and you're right at that time. Who knew what was going to happen with anything at that time and, and whether it was ever going to happen. So it was, it really wasn't, I wasn't anticipating it because there was really at that time, it was weird. There was really, you didn't know. There was nothing really to anticipate yet. The world was like, it was up in the air. Like who, who knew what was going to happen?
5: Were there set lists scrawled on the walls in blood? Like you guys had two years to think about this. Yeah. Sheets of paper everywhere. I with, let's see like, how you guys came up with this too. Yeah, You, you were sitting on this for a long time. Honestly, not
3: until we kind of knew when the show was going to be and that it was really happening, because honestly, to me, it sort of felt like some far off sort of dream thing that, you know, was just going to happen down the road. And then when we actually knew it was going to happen. We started thinking about the different songs we wanted and all this stuff. So kind of leading up to the show and especially after the uh, Madison Square Garden show, because we wanted to see, you know, what songs we were going to see there. We really spent the next couple days before Camden, like, talking about it and all sorts of songs that we wanted on our list. But I guess we could get into this. What ended up kind of happening is when we met Eddie, he had sort of like a skeleton of a set list with a bunch of different almost like A or B options. Like, okay, should we do this song or this song? And then he would ask us and we would pick or he'd be like, oh, I was thinking of doing this song. You know, is is this a good idea to do? So we didn't get a ton of opportunity to, like, request directly, you know, and write from top to bottom, like what the set list was. Uh, sure. But he gave us a lot of leeway either way with all the different options that he had and all the different possibilities. Well,
2: um, now we got to ask. So what was left off the chopping block there? Because, I mean, look being there that was my second favorite show of the six that i went to and like specifically you know hard to imagine inside job and untitled mfc were easily my highlights and i didn't think i'd get some of those ever again like hard to imagine i hadn't heard since my second show inside job i haven't heard since my first so like those options were to me just mind-blowing so what you know a little bit of the backstage secrets here what kind of got left off this set yeah that's a
4: great question but just just to go back a little bit we did come to the show with we we had a list we of course dirty frank was on that list um (laughs) we we also wanted to see if we could talk him into doing an album show oh and so we 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 were Derm and I we were going back with all these crazy kind of ideas. What and album did you want? We wanted uh, so Derm's. What one what, what did we want? The be- well, we we didn't want ten because they did ten and really their last Philly show. So ten, we, we knew ten would be out. That would be kind of silly to ask. Um, I think we were looking at, um, vital, uh, vitality terms that, yeah,
3: I I think it was either that or no code. I mean, no code would be like a personal favorite for me, but I know they've done that before. I I don't know if they've done vitality from start to finish. So that was, they have not. Yeah. That's what I was
5: the weird ones. I don't think they ever will. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So we did kind of have a list. That we we kind of created. We, we we would talk and and hey, what's on your list? What's on you know? Okay, hard to
3: imagine song? what's on our list though, for sure. That was one of the yes. top five that we had. Um, so it was pretty great. I Actually, I believe that might have been one of the first ones he. I mean, because it was early on in the set list, one of the first ones he he asked us about was whether or not we should play that song. And I was like, yes, yes, please play that <laughs> song. <laughs> That's it
4: and and we should also talk about the kind of the process so he shared with us which was really cool first of all he's such an amazing person i mean it was just you know before we got there i had to send a a bio to to them and i wrote it that day like they're like yeah we need a bio so when we got there you know, I wrote up this bio, and I really kind of focused on my family and kind of who I was, and and, and Dermot, and you know, just so they would know that the two people that were going that were going to show up. And um, when we got there, Pete, when he met us outside of the arena, in, in kind of the backstage uh, entrance area, he had read the bio. Like he he started rattling off to Dermot. He goes, "Okay, uh, you went to the Berlin." Prague, Krakow shows in '18. Um, you uh, you play guitar. You teach music. Like he r- rattled off all these things with with for, about Dermot, and um, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool because he he read it right. Um, and then of course when we, when we met Eddie, you know Eddie read the bio, and the way we knew that, which was kind of cool, how he did it, is at the end when we were leaving, he just pulls out of his pocket a bag of uh, Eddie Vedder guitar picks. And he, and he and he gives him the Dermot and he says, uh, hey, uh, you know, give these to your students. So we knew at that time, because in the bio I put that Dermot was, you know, was now a teacher at the School of Rock where he actually learned how to play guitar. And so it was really kind of cool how he weaved in little things like that to, to let us know that he actually read the bio. And then he made a really cool comment at the end. He's like, you know, which which i'm probably the only one that cares about it but it was uh, he said look i'm I'm glad that this prize went to a, a really nice family which means he read the bio so it was just really right. cool experience of what he did and and how his attention to detail is just amazing yeah that's awesome that's really really cool but 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 when we got to when he when we got there the insight he does all this research on every show. Like he pulled out of his bag. Was it in his bag terms or was it just, did he have it pulled out already?
3: Uh, I don't really remember. I mean, he had like a folder, like it was definitely in a folder, all the, the old set list that they played like in Philadelphia from, you know, 1992 or wherever, the, whenever the first show was until now.
4: Um, <laughs> Dobbs. so the first one was Dobbs. Cause he, cause that's why he started with wash. And um, because he goes, yeah, because, you know, that from Dobbs, we played that at Dobbs. He wow. said that. But it was just kind of really kind of amazing how he, you know, how he showed us that. And and really, and like Dermot said, he came with kind of a, he showed us the first draft, which was written on like a, it was like a piece of uh, almost cardboard. Like it wasn't paper. It was like, a, like almost like a
3: and paper kind of almost
4: in a way. Yeah yeah and he showed us that draft and then he showed us the draft that he went over with us which just had lists of songs and tons of like writing all over the page the page um all in i want to say it looked like it was pencil but i think it was just pen like a very thin pen but yeah it
5: was pretty pretty cool um did you get to suggest dirty frank what was his reaction if you did
4: we didn't <laughs> we, we were so so uh, we the the whole experience was just unbelievable before we even met eddie they took us through every single part of that production
5: oh nice and
4: we met everybody we were in the dressing rooms when the guys weren't there yet we we met the chefs we met um the techs uh, matt's tech uh mike's tech um, the 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 gentleman I forget his name, Durm, but he's the, he's the guy that does all the bootleg recordings, and we looked at his equipment. He's ninety six channels
2: and it was Brett just, Eliason, I believe.
4: Yeah, I forget his name. Derms, do you remember his name?
3: Is it Brett? It might be that that sounds yeah. like it might be it. Yeah, yeah.
4: But it was it was just it, like we met and everyone was so nice, and they talked to us about what they did in the production, what their job was you know, how long they've been doing it. Most of the folks, I mean, Pete's been with the band for 24 years. 15 years was not unheard of. 20 years, it was just everyone's been with that band. They're literally a family, That, that everyone that works on those the, the, that production. The, you know, the guys that drive the trucks, we met those guys. We met everybody. They offered us, the funny, the reason I was mentioning that is they offered us dinner. And of course we go back to meet the chefs and they're telling us how they where they go shopping. They go to Whole Foods. Because Whole Foods just has better foods. If there's not a Whole Foods, this is what they do during the day of the show. These two guys go shopping for the menu and they create this menu. We actually have the menu. So we're sitting there, they're talking about it, and boom's over there at a table eating eating dinner. And um, <laughs> you know, it was just so surreal to be behind this 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 thing that they 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 were giving us. This, you know, it was really just such an experience. But but yeah, so we saw all the dressing rooms, um, which were empty. You know, Stone, his room was had. derm uh, how many shirts did Stone have in his room?
3: Like two or three. It's not <laughs> not a large variety. <laughs> it
4: was like two or three shirts, and then they tell us, well, Stone shows up like right before the show. He he likes to stay at the hotel. They get a special limo for him to come in. Like, these are all the details they're telling us. Um, they, you know, uh, uh, we hear uh, nutshell. We heard nutshell playing. So we, so Pete goes and he waves to Dermot. And he's like, hey, come down the end of the hall. Just stick your head in. And there's there's Mike and Josh practicing nutshell. And they're like, hey, guys. <laughs> like, they just talk to us. Like, hey, guys. Oh, wow. And um, we think we, they Mike was like, hey, you guys can come in. But Pete pulled us away, and like Dermot, and I were like, "Well, we kind of want to stay with Mike right now. <laughs> we want to kind of hang out and, 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 and watch those guys practice. Um, but that was the kind of experience that they showed us. Even before we met Eddie before the show, it was just really, it was unbelievable.
3: I would say just with Eddie, like, um, as far as you know, getting song requests in and all that sort of thing, it honestly just felt so natural that that sort of thought you know asking him about dirty frank and all that kind of stuff just kind of didn't come i think at least at least for me at least into my mind you know i was just happy to be there and the whole time you know we were talking to him and it was just a really you know in the moment experience so it was just even a a privilege to see the set list before the show and you know get to choose at all so yeah i mean it was just unbelievable
2: do you not remember any of the other songs that he had optioned on that or um i remember i'm um, looking at the set list
3: right now i th- remember they played Y go instead of super blood wolf moon i remember that one like that was the the two options in the beginning there was something else besides daughter um but i don't think
5: i remember what it was um it wasn't like uh grammy out of control or rocket in the free world no, crazy no. Like that was not. Nothing oh, too yeah. crazy. No, no.
3: Yeah, there there was nothing that got axed that I, you know, I think would have been a crazy addition to the set. Honestly, a lot right. of the stuff didn't get axed because I mean the set list was so long. So, so long of the like, tour, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So so a lot of stuff made it in there. But yeah, there was nothing crazy significant. I think it was and a lot of it was between Gigaton songs. So like for retrograde, I think Maybe seven o'clock was the other option he gave us for that. Um, uh, so I think you made retrograde. the right choice. That
2: was a good retrograde.
3: Yeah, it really was. Um, and, and I was just trying to pick stuff that we hadn't seen yet, you know. So I think they played seven o'clock in at the Garden, if I remember correctly. They did. Um, yeah. So I figured that retrograde was good
2: for that. But yeah yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember we were talking about do the evolution. I remember that. Did he
2: say anything? Because I'm interested about Do The Evolution. Do The Evolution that night was kind of played a little bit slower. Did he mention anything of like, hey, we're going to try this this way tonight. We're going to kind of mix this song up. Did he say anything like that? Did he talk about tuning? Did he talk about any of that?
3: He didn't talk um, specifically about tuning or tempo or anything like that. Well, he did talk a lot about... About, Because we asked him or I asked him, you know, when you're in the middle of a show and you have these songs written on a set list and you cross one out and play something else, like what happens? You know, why? Why do you all of a sudden change? Like what makes you think to change the song? So he explained that a lot of it has to do with just the energy of the crowd um, and especially the safety of the crowd. You know, I know we can all imagine that they take that very seriously. So that's part of the reason why they start slow and they kind of build up now to this kind of bigger, you know, sound. But he's just always looking at the crowd and making sure that everybody's safe. And, you know, if things get a little rowdy, he thinks, okay, maybe we'll play a slower song next to kind of bring everybody down. You know, if they need more energy, they'll bring out maybe another hit so that, you know, the crowd gets all riled up and everything. So that's what he takes into account pretty much every time that he makes a set list. And then when he's in the middle of the concert.
4: Yeah. He said he does that during every song he's watching. He's and he said, he goes, yeah, I do that during every song. He's like watching, thinking about the next song and he's doing all that in the middle of singing the current song. It's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing.
3: What was interesting is as we were going through the set list, he would, hum the end of the song and then like the beginning of the next song to like Ooh. make sure that it kind of sounds like it makes sense which yeah. i thought was pretty interesting it was um yeah so that that was pretty that was, that was yeah. pretty cool
2: This <laughs> is <just> like surreal <laughs> you guys right now this is i mean this whole thing is kind of surreal because i think these are conversations that we've had before of, hey, what are they doing? What's Ed doing when he's thinking about drawing up the set list? What what are they thinking about in the set when they need to kind of make an audible and, or something like that? And it, it kind of confirms that a lot of what we talked about is, is pretty close to being accurate here because it seems like, you know, everything, the way that they, they, they put it together, Ed is just conscious of everything and i think that that was sort of the thought and the hope that he would be conscious of everything and then now you guys are kind of validating that thought so that i mean just to be able to see that uh, incredible how long did that whole process take
4: so we were with eddie for i'm gonna say 15 minutes it wasn't that long right maybe
3: yeah 10 15
4: minutes 10 15 minutes yeah, I think um, so. It, it it was, we were with it. It was definitely why the show started late. <laughs> Cause, and that, that was the other cool thing. It was just Dermot, Eddie and I in his dressing room and nobody else, the door was shut. There was nobody else in there. It was just us, the three of us just talking. And he, you know, like, like we said, he was kind of going through the the tempo of the songs and, 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 you know, and, and, and what he thinks about and, and about you know the changes like Dermot mentioned. I I also asked him, which which I thought was kind of insightful. You remember people were talking about on the, one of the uh, Facebook pages the the difference in the the handwriting of the set list. Yeah. So I asked him. I said, "How come why the difference in in handwriting?" And I think he looked at me, kind of like, "What kind of question is that kind of thing?" And. <laughs> And, but, but what he told us was really insightful. It, 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 so he, he learned calligraphy. And, and so he, so what he did was really kind of smooth. Cause if you could tell, a lot of the set lists now, they have like that calligraphy, you know, yeah. in the title. Oh, yeah. And so as he, he pulls out of his, of his bag of tricks, I'll call it the MSG set list. And he goes, you know, I learned calligraphy. And he goes, you know, I. He goes, I used to write the lyrics. He so he writes. He used to write lyrics with a a a quill and ink. (laughs) And and he and he does that. He did it to slow his mind, like his writing down. So he does the
3: he does the calligraphy. He does the calligraphy now. He used to do the uh, the ink blot. He does the calligraphy uh, now. I think right.
4: Yes, yeah, because now now he could do with it with any pen. So then he he starts showing us how he how he learned calligraphy. Like he's actually showing showing us, you know, you press down on the upstroke and less on the downstroke, whatever it was. And lo and behold, he had autographed the the MSG set list for us at the same time. It was just it was kind of like Darren and I were (laughs) kind of like that was like when we're talking about after the show, we're like, yeah, that was really smooth, you know.
3: But what he had said about the calligraphy, though, that I thought was really interesting is that he writes all of his lyrics in calligraphy because it's a lot more tedious. So it forces him to think about the words and cut out unneeded words or, you know, change things if he needs to. So, I I mean, that that was a pretty insightful thing that he said, you know, that that he told us about.
2: Interesting that he doesn't use a typewriter anymore because that was his whole thing was using the typewriter but yeah it probably i
5: think give the same effect yeah make typewriter make you have to slow down and
2: yeah 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 that's that's a really really insightful answer for that because you don't you know before the show yeah there's a lot going through your mind you're about to go two two and a half straight hours of just balls to the wall rock and roll and yeah you do have to slow yourself down like that's 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 pretty fantastic that he kind of came up with that and uh has found a way to sort of ease his mind before going into these shows because yeah going out there like you know rarely is he ever tense rarely is he ever tense he's usually very very loose and if that's what makes him loose that's that's very interesting let's get into the show itself now where are you guys in taking the show? Where 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 are your seats or where are you standing? What's uh, what's the situation of where you're watching?
3: Uh, so for about the first half of the show, we were I think in like the second row of seats, but like right before the pit. So pretty much like right in the center front. And I think we were there right up until even flow or right right after retrograde. Yeah. Um, and then we got a text from Pete, the tour manager, to uh, to come on back. And then for the rest of the show, we were actually right next to the guy who is uh, recording the you know the bootlegs right on the side of the stage, uh, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's where we were kind of situated for each
2: half of the show. Obviously, you guys have never really gotten that kind of experience before. What was it like just being? right on top of them
3: honestly what was really cool about it was also seeing the whole crowd um and just kind of feeling that energy that they have so close and then also just seeing it go out into the crowd and how they sort of just kind of take over the arena um or you know wherever they're at and just getting also just getting to see their little interactions on stage Um, Like I think there was one point during porch where Mike McCready was out just ripping, you know, a crazy guitar solo, and uh, you know Ed, Jeff, and Stone were all just kind of jamming right in front of uh, Matt Cameron, and it was just kind of really cool to see, you know, the four of them jamming out while Mike does this whole thing, and yeah, it was just super surreal to be up there.
4: Yeah, I loved the energy of the crowd, which was which was awesome. Just to feel that from the stage was really really cool.
5: We you knew that you were gonna get to come out on stage at some point. Uh, did they tell you like when that was gonna happen or did they prepare you for anything at all? So I
4: didn't know we were gonna go out on stage. Oh wow. I, I know he oh, said wow. kind of something in, in the video originally that he posted, but all of a sudden like Dermot goes, Daddy's talking about he's talking about the the contest. And I'm like, Oh. So so I'm like he's like come on out you know and that was the first time i knew i was going to come out like uh, i I was happy just being on the stage on the side there and then all of a sudden he pulls us out in front of everyone and of course i wanted dermot to experience too so so like i'm like come on you're
2: coming with me and um it was pretty pretty awesome and then he mentions right there he said that they had raised over one million dollars for that all-in challenge so did you know how much they had raised beforehand and like kind of in retrospect a little bit that you're the one out of the one million. That's uh, like how mind blowing is that?
4: Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I did not know the stats before he said them. And yeah, I mean, it, the, the entire experience was just, again, it, it was one in a million, just really, really lucky to, to be that person. Um, and uh, it was just, it was just amazing it was just absolutely amazing
2: How about performance wise what did you guys like out of the songs like what songs really you thought kind of made the show
3: definitely retrograde i thought it was a great performance of that i was really satisfied with that especially because he asked us uh you know whether or not he should play it sure um, i have a
2: question to you about that so you know i was back like front of the lawn, and I swore during Retrograde, right, when they start to ramp up during the end and Matt starts to really go insane, I swear that they turned the volume up during that. I don't know what my mind was thinking. I don't know what triggered that, but I thought that during Retrograde, they kind of increased the sound and then played like that the rest of the night, played up to that that level. I don't know if you you know firsthand saw that uh, differently or or what did you have the same thought at all i just want to see if I'm, I'm validated here
3: i think yeah i think that could be possible i do remember thinking that at the beginning of the show that i mean i was wearing earplugs when we were out front and i did feel that it was a little a little quiet um although i don't remember exactly if it was during retrograde you know that i felt like it got louder um and then uh, when we were on the stage, it was actually a little bit interesting because you hear the vocals a lot less, but you hear like the instruments a lot more. So I think our sound perception was a little bit ske- skewed in that way. Mm. Interesting. Um, stage.
4: Yeah. yeah. Eddie, Eddie made a, b- a remark. He goes, he, he, Right, D- Dermot? He said something about us not being able to hear him. Yeah. Well, he said, because he, he did, I guess, awesome. I guess he
3: did mention us getting on. Yeah, yeah, so he mentioned like, oh, you know, we'll get you up on stage and, you know, you guys won't be able to hear me that well, but that's, you know, that's okay. And we're like, you know, that's not okay. <laughs> you know, we want to hear you yeah. too. It's important. <laughs> um, but it was still, you know, we could still hear him singing and everything. It was just when he was like
2: talking that it was a little bit tough to hear. What yeah. other songs did you think really stood out?
3: Uh, Hard to Imagine, of course, was great. Um,
5: Inside Job was, uh, was just awesome. Um, yeah
4: inside job was great um
5: well breath was your pick right that was the one that you got to kind of introduce
3: yeah so the, the the funny thing about about those two stay love and trust and breath is he had that on the set list um already he, he just <laughs> asked us he was like hey you know i'm thinking of doing this sort of singles thing you know stay alone trust and breath you know is that a good idea and then we said yes of course you know like, but, yeah
4: I'm like of course sure
3: you know um good. But yeah, it's kind of funny because he kind of said that we picked breath, but the, the truth is like, he kind of already picked it himself, but I mean, it was really great for us. Cause after the show, so many people were like, oh, breath, you know, that's such a great pick, like great job, all this stuff. And we're like, thanks, you know, <laughs> even though um, <laughs> he gave you the credit. Yeah. Yeah. He gave mm-hmm. us the credit. So that was pretty nice of him, I think.
4: And then e- eruption, he played e- eruption to give Matt a break. That's exactly what he told us. He goes, yeah, we'll put eruption in here to give Matt a break. A dream
3: too. He he mentioned the dream. Yeah. as well.
4: oh um, yeah, the dream. Yeah, he mentioned it, the dream was the uh, about a volcano in Philadelphia. It was actually he he mentioned that to us when we were going over the set list.
2: Yeah. So did he tell like? Did he say where where he was going to stop for stories and what stories did he kind of reveal a lot of that uh, of that to you or just that one? No,
4: he he no, he didn't tell us anything about any of the stories. He didn't even tell us he was going to talk about the volcano. He didn't even tell us that. He just he just said, "Oh, that's why you put it in there."
2: <laughs> it was like he goes, "Yeah, I just put this in there cuz I had a dream about a volcano last night." So, yeah, that's that's a 27 song set, I believe, with no no give to it. That's an incredible set. And after the show, I mean, like everybody that left, I think that I was around was just completely you know, in awe of what they just saw. What was the after show like for you? Did you get to go back into the backstage, or did they, you know, did they say goodbye and thank you and all that? So,
4: so, so that's a, so. What we learned in the um, the pre the pre show tour that they gave us is there's a spot behind the arena that the band has three minutes to get to, so oh. they can get in their cars. And get out of there with police escort to get back to the hotel. oh, so, so they walk off that stage, um, and they and they actually go right to the cars. and um so so that was really that was another interesting little piece of insight that they they told us. Um but we did go backstage because we had all our stuff back there. Of course, you, you remember in the prize they they had an autographed uh, guitar that uh, that that Ed had given us when we met him um you know took a we took a few pictures with ed he was that was the other funny thing. we're sitting there waiting to take the picture with the guitar and you know we, Dermot and i are ready to walk out we're like okay we're done we're ready to go the guy's saying hey we have to go the show has to start you know one of his one of his folks and and ed's like hey you guys want to take a picture I'm like yeah sure so we're sitting there posing for the picture and the guy goes does anyone have a camera
5: oh god
4: so, so i go so i go oh i just made it i go oh i thought ed was going to use his so ed, eddie goes and gets his phone to take the picture and he so he comes back with his phone and i you know we're like no no we, we have our phones we're just kidding kidding kind of thing and i I think he would have taken the pictures and then or uh texted it to us i think it was just kind of <laughs> so funny he's just such a down-to-earth person and um but anyway all that stuff was behind stage so after the show we went back because uh, we were on the stage so we we walked out that way got our stuff um and then term <laughs> tell them the story about josh when we saw josh after the show it was kind of cool
3: yeah so actually right at the door to leave like the backstage area to go right out into kind of like the concourse area where all the food is and just kind of where you get into the uh the show josh is just like sitting on the floor like right by the door we kind of walk past say like oh you know hey like great show and he's like oh did you guys pick breath like i love that song that was a great pick and you know (laughs) and all this kind of stuff and he was really really nice really friendly also um, but it was just a cool moment because it's like, oh, he doesn't even know, you know like what the set list, <laughs> you know the 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 magic behind the set list. So that was just a
2: cool little moment. Um, that's crazy, yeah, yeah,, yeah. And that also answers a lot of questions for you guys about why are they late all the time? because Ed's taking pictures and needs to find his phone to take pictures. that's that's the story for this one. It's probably the story for many others, yeah. <laughs> But that, hey, that actually answers a great question as to why I didn't get backstage at St. Louis. So thank you for, for uh, bringing that up because I, I had a pass and we just kind of sat there and watched the crew break down. They're like, okay, you guys can leave. But we wouldn't have seen anything anyway because they were out the door in three minutes. So that's, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Oh, man, you guys, you guys lived a, a whole, like, decade this like this is this is incredible just the story itself is just once in a lifetime like there was one other show that a fan got to pick the set list for over in Amsterdam in, in 2012 and that's kind of been highlighted as uh one of you know the better shows of the last decade or so but like this is this is while you guys didn't actually get to to write the full thing. This is I mean the experience in itself is maybe one of the best kind of fan experiences that you can get from them, oh,
4: absolutely. It, we're so we're so lucky. and and and, you know, we were just so lucky to be able to experience that. it It was just it was fantastic. It yeah, you're
5: in the absolutely. you're in the story now. you're in the you're going to be in the middle of it.
2: yeah, it was great. unbelievable well, i uh, I guess we can uh, leave it off there. Thank you both for coming on. It was incredible that, story. just incredible story. Terrific stuff. Have you guys watched it on YouTube at all? Have you like seen your clip? I've got a couple videos of the clip that some of the,
4: some of the, some of the, the, the jamily had have, have sent me that I've met over, over time. I haven't watched it on YouTube yet. Um, but the, that's kind of a funny thing because, uh, we were in the, in our car after the show and, um, and so we, had, if you remember, we had talked to the guy who, who records the bootlegs and mm-hmm. he also does the editing and he does everything right after the show. And so I made a funny to Dermot. I'm like, yeah, you know, that guy, whatever his name, Brett or whatever it was. I mean, yeah, he's he's right now editing out our part of the bootleg. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> when Eddie brought us up on stage, because it, I, I've been at a couple of shows. I think it was the Krakow show where he brought someone up on stage that Jill had met on a tour of Auschwitz earlier in the day. And, and that's not in that bootleg. So I'm like, you know, he cut us out of the bootleg and I just made, it. I'm like, he's probably doing it right now as we're sitting here waiting, waiting to leave the, uh, the parking parking lot.
2: Well, I mean, with everybody capturing everything nowadays, whether it's on the bootleg or not, somebody's going to see it, you know? So you got that, you got that for, uh, for the rest of your lives. And one an experience that was, all right. Well, thank you both for coming on. Terrific story and all that. And yeah, thank you so you much know, for having us. Yeah, we uh, we hope we get to see you. We hope we get to see you at a show somewhere down the line. Our paths kind of crossed in Nashville. Unfortunately, we didn't know you guys then, but because uh, you guys went to Nashville, right? Or is that just Dermot that went to Nashville? No, we we were both there. That that was the uh, I think Dermot might have said
4: that was the original show. We got that when we when I bought tickets for the tour. So we we had those for, for two years. Um, that was part of our strategy
2: of shows to pick. We didn't pick Nashville so because we knew we had that one already. Right, right. Now, that's a, that's a really good thought to bring up because Camden was added on back in March when they made the announcement. So, and I know that Dermot kind of mentioned that your first choice was MSG. And they said no to MSG. And they gave you tickets for it anyway. And... When did you find out there there was going to be a Camden show? Was it uh, after they announced it or was it, you know, beforehand? How did that all come about? No, they they
4: actually the great question. They actually asked us the shows um it was after all the shows were announced. So it, okay. and, and then I'm I'm forgetting the timeline, but I we didn't I, didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't pick any of the West Coast shows just because I I didn't I knew, look, I knew MSG and Philly and, you know, those are always awesome shows. So I, I didn't want, I didn't need to travel anywhere. Right. I, you know, and, um, so it was, it was like a, a few months before where they, they picked the, you know, Hey, give us two choices, but it was way after like the shows were announced and people got tickets to Camden and all that kind of stuff. It was way after that. Okay.
2: Gotcha. Okay. No, I, 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 I guess what I was leading to there was, did you guys know that there was a Camden show before it got announced? Cause obviously that was announced and, uh, and put together after they had to cancel on Baltimore because of some arena construction and all that. That's yeah, what, yeah, that's no, what I was yeah, trying we, to pry from.
4: It. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't know. We didn't know that we weren't, I wasn't contacted about, you know, kind of picking the shows or anything really, up until that was all done and announced and and everyone had their tickets and everything and it all kind of came together kind of at the i want to kind of say at the last minute you you know it was interesting how it all came together the day before there was a couple folks that in the crew that were sick um so they didn't do a sound check that day like they normally do uh and they had a uh they had one woman standing in doing the role of a couple others that were sick um, and couldn't be at the show. So it was kind of a little bit of a toss up, even a day or two before the show, I was saying to Dermot, I'm like, Oh, I hope they don't, you know, I hope they don't cancel the show because someone's, someone's sick and, you know, they're making changes because someone's sick. So we hope, we hope the show's going to go on. And obviously it did and you know, no one, no one in the band was sick. It was one of the, one of the crew.
2: It, uh, was there a COVID protocol back there? Oh yeah, yeah. So right. this is a
4: funny story. So, so um, we got there. You know, we we met Pete. You know, ev- everyone has masks on. You know, it's it's a millions of dollars these things. So you have to. You know, you, you have to. You know, we walked inside the backstage. We literally weren't even two feet in the door, and a guy <laughs> comes up with the swabs to 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 do the um, you know to, to do the COVID test. And the the and I, I'm just gonna tell it, Dermot. The the irony is, you know, Dermot drove up from for the MSG show. He drove up the night before from Nashville, so he drove like 12 hours to get to new you know to get to New Jersey, so we can go to that show. And uh, his his roommate <laughs> tested positive, told oh, him on no. his way out. Oh. So Dermot oh. was standing there. We're waiting like the 15 minutes. He had like sweat coming off the top of his
5: no oh, man <laughs> of his
4: face because if we would have tested positive we you know we we wouldn't have gotten home so when it came back as negative it was just a big sigh of relief but yeah they tested us right away we wore masks during the whole backstage and um you know just to you know so so no you know so so any of the shows didn't get canceled you know they're being overly cautious sure sure
2: wow but yeah that was kind of a funny story well, uh, once again, uh, that that was kind of the encore of the conversation that we just had when we were about to say goodbye, but continued yeah. to fit oh, our, our conversation. No, no, no. Encores are good. Encores are great. Absolutely. So, once again, thank you both for coming on and telling your story. That was incredible yeah, you once you. in a lifetime, and you guys were awesome.
4: Yeah. Thank you so thank much you so for having us. Having us. It, was, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Thanks. And we hope we definitely though. will see great you come. guys on, on the trail as you will.
2: Well, there's a, a lot to take out of that, and uh, amazing to just witness all these conversations and kind of, as we mentioned a little bit in there, a lot of what we felt about Ed and what we felt about the band and some stuff that they told us after we stopped recording that you know made us feel like you know Ed is that kind of guy that everybody says he is. And it just feels validating that your favorite band, the band that you kind of, you know, you spend so much time researching, you spend so much time listening to and so much time, you know, following whenever they're going to go on tour that they really are the real deal. One hundred percent.
5: Yeah. Just uh, an incredible story. And like it, like you said, we always talk about, you know, their connection with the fans and we kind of, hinted around things because you know you and I don't have that kind of access um, no and and yeah just a once just in a lifetime experience for for Rich and Dermot there and really excited that they were able to come on and, and tell that story because yeah there were parts in there where I was just like oh, jaw dropping on the floor like some of the stuff you, you think you would, are never going to be privy to that they got to see just an incredible story.
2: Yep yeah no doubt about that and we've been lucky to be able to tell a couple of these stories a couple on the regular episodes that come out every wednesday uh the one that we told a couple weeks ago with erin and she got the dedication for her brother on both other side and off he goes and then we talked to ashley who got to move from the way back all the way up to the front and ed you know you know, talked about her a lot. And, uh, that was, that was at the Ottawa show and, and she got to get a dedication as well. And look, you know, we know that there are a lot more people out there with stories to tell. So if you have a story, especially from this past year, would love to tell all of these stories before 2022 kind of comes to an end here. So if you have a story, you know, where If you connected with Ed, if you got something dedicated to you, if you had a relative or a friend or something like that, that you can connect us with, we would love to just tell their story because the stories are important. And I think one of the great things about this community is that we all go back and we listen to these bootlegs and we all kind of remember, okay, that happened. Who is that? and sometimes you'll see on facebook you know they'll pop up and they'll be like hey that was me that had the dedication and you know you you just kind of because it's such an important part of the set list you just kind of want to know more so i mean that's essentially everything that we do we just kind of want to dig in and know more so if you have a story from this past year from may from europe from september doesn't matter if you have a story write to us, let us know and we'll tell it. Look, I don't think anything is going to come close to what Rich and uh, Dermot had, but if you happen to, then great. We would love to tell it. So live on four, that's the number four legs podcast at gmail.com to send us an email. And uh, we would be happy to hear from you guys. So with that being said, More content on the way. If you'd like to donate to the show, patreon.com slash live on four legs, or just subscribe over on Spotify or Apple podcast. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating. That would help a lot. But until we have the next thing out, which will be next week's episode on Wednesday, we will see you next time. Take care, everybody.